0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of The Remedy with Tovacito. I am Tovacito and I'm so happy to be sitting down today with a gentleman, a man, a young man. <laughs> what are you? This is off
1: to a great start. <laughs> I'm excited about this.
0: Named Stephen Lohopper. Stephen and I have been friends for a very, very long time. Um, I actually hired Stephen how many years ago? Gosh, like 12? 11, 12 years ago? 12 years ago. We're getting old. We bo- <laughs> You're getting old. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, we both worked at Highland Park United Methodist Church in the youth ministry and worked together for a lot of years. I left um, Highland Park Methodist for... Little over four years ago, five years ago? Six, I think. No. It's been a long time. (laughs) And everybody still misses me. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, have you talked to Tova lately? (laughs) Anyway, um, since I left, you have gone on to do much bigger and better things. Uh, You worked at Holland Park Methodist, and then they just hired you, what, a year, a year and a half ago? Two years ago. Oh, two years ago? Mm hmm. To become the pastor of a brand new satellite church of Highland Park Methodist called the Grove. That's right. Which is where you are the pastor. You are. Am, you are. The, I am the pastor. You have yeah. a big boy job now. It's finally, yeah. <laughs> so I wanted Stephen to come on the show today because I wanted to talk about something that I feel pretty passionate about. Um, I worked at a church for a long time. I clearly love Jesus and feel like I have a really good relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um and I have a good relationship with the church. Uh I think those are can be two different things. Yeah, a yeah. relationship with Jesus and a relationship with the church. Um, not necessarily a Methodist church or a Presbyterian church, but the Christian church. Um but uh I know that a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't have a great relationship uh, with Jesus, and a lot of people don't have a great relationship with the church. And um, I want it uh, yeah, clearly, I'm I am also a pastor, and I love uh, Jesus. But I wanted to this podcast to not just be a Christian podcast, even though it definitely ha- will have that bent, sure. Um, because I want it to be super universal. Yeah. Um, But I do feel passionate about the topic that uh, we're going to talk about today, and that is how um, I do think that there are a lot of people who grew up in a church, uh, grew up knowing and and hearing about Jesus, but somewhere along the way, the church or the people in the church uh, affected their relationship with Jesus or made it difficult to believe in Jesus, or made it difficult to have a desire to go to church. And since you just started this brand new satellite church, and you obviously have an interest in people having a good relationship with both, yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Um, because I do believe in religious abuse. Yeah, I do believe that we can grow up, and, and where we started and where we end... We have to reconcile a lot mm, sometimes yeah. along the way, and so I kind of want to talk about how do we do that? How do we, for for those of us who grew up in a church where we fell in love with this guy who taught us how to love, yeah, and <laughs> and and take good care of people, um, and then we experience something really different. Um, how do we reconcile that? So, but before we get to that. Mm-hmm. Before we solve, before we yeah. get to the remedy, yes. um, will you tell me, will you tell us about your growing up experience? What, what, what was your experience like growing up?
1: Yeah, no, I was someone who grew up in the church. Uh, the church was always a safe place for me. Growing up, it was always a place that I was excited to be a part of. My parents both had really strong faith. They happened to go to different churches when I was a kid, which was kind of a strange dynamic that I grew up in that, you know, later I had to reconcile. Like, why does mom go to one church and dad goes to a different church? And
0: What w- churches did they go to? So
1: my father is Methodist and my mother's Pentecostal. And so those, to a large degree, kind of fall on opposite ends of the Christian, you know, religious continuum. And so it was very different environments, very different language, very different experiences uh, between the two churches growing up.
0: But you loved both.
1: But I loved both. Yeah. Um,
0: And you felt comfortable in both.
1: Yeah, I felt comfortable in both, which was really great and a testament to, kind of the upbringing that my parents instilled in me. And church was always a priority in our family. Mm -hmm. Uh, So even if there were sports or other activities, we still had to make time for God. Mm. Um, But because faith was such a strong component of their lives and of my childhood, by the time I got to you know high school and then into college it had always been something mom and dad did mm-hmm. that they made me do for mm-hmm. the most part even though i liked it most of the time mm-hmm. but it was something i'd never really taken taken on ownership of for myself
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so and i
0: think that is yeah. probably really normal oh absolutely you kind of you know, want that
1: yeah i think that it's kind of like the training wheels start to come off and you're like oh this this is a little wobbly mm-hmm. how do i how do i ride this bike for myself and mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times that comes with a lot of question asking and sometimes I know that comes with people having to step away from the faith and stepping away from the church because they need some distance to analyze, to examine, to think for themselves about, yeah. okay, what about this seems true for me or seems right for me and yeah. where, where do I need to reconcile some things or make some sense out of some things that seem to be you know incongruent with? what I know to be true, or Mm -hmm. what I've read, or what I've been told, or so forth. Or what you feel. Yeah, or what you feel. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of happened to me in college. Because I'd been to church for so long, for such a large component of my life, from birth through high school, I kind of made the decision and came to the conclusion that I had been to enough church uh, (laughs) that I was due a little vacation. (laughs) Some some R&R from church. I had kind of come to the opinion that I had been to more church by the time I was 18 than most people had in their lives. And that was a fairly true statement because of how often three, four times a week that I was attending church or some church function.
0: Did you consciously make that decision to like, okay, I'm not going to church. Like I am taking a break. Or did it just organically, like you were in college, nobody was really going to church. You didn't?
1: Yeah, both. Yeah. Okay. So I think it was you know, the first Sunday I had the opportunity to go or not go to church, like, oh, it's kind of nice to sleep in.
0: Like, mm-hmm. you have a choice.
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm. and so then that choice started to become a pattern, and that pattern became a habit,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, that entrenched myself in this long habit of like, you know, what I just I don't go to church now. That's not a thing I do anymore.
0: Now, when you didn't go to church, did you still pr- have a practice? Did you still did you read the Bible? Did you pray? Did you talk about Jesus? Did you care? I I mean, was, how?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, You know, I think at that point in time, faith, relationship with God was uh, kind of an intellectual thing for me. Mm -hmm. I knew a lot about the Bible. I knew a lot about my faith. And that seemed sufficient. That Mm -hmm. seemed like, well, if, if I know a lot of facts about God, then that's basically the same thing as knowing God, mm. uh, and that's something you know. Obviously, I've come to look at differently and understand differently now. Mm. But it was not something that I actively practiced. You know, I still tried to be a good person, to be kind, and to love people, and those things. But it was uh, it was definitely kind of a head thing and not a, a heart and a regular habitual thing that I would you know pray or read scripture or things like that.
0: Mm. Okay, so you get out of college, yeah. And you're still not going to church.
1: Yeah. So it was towards the end of my college career, and I had probably had three years or so of um, enjoying my college freedom to its fullest extent, a life without...
0: (laughs) I will not ask a lot of questions. No, that's
1: (laughs) all right. Yeah, a life without responsibility or (laughs) oversight from, you know, adult (laughs) figures. And Mm -hmm. so without a lot of supervision, I made, you know, a series of choices and and engaged in a, you know, a style of, of living that... Ultimately, I, I knew it was a little hollow and empty and wasn't satisfying that thing in me that I was trying to satisfy, and mm-hmm. it wasn't filling the hole that I was hoping that it would. And, mm-hmm. and so I decided that maybe I should give church a try for myself.
0: And are you out of college? At I'm this not point?
1: out of college at okay. this point. So okay. I, am, I am 20, 21. Um, almost about to graduate. I probably have a, a year of school left. Mm-hmm. And so I just walked uh, around the corner from my apartment where I was living at the time and into a small Methodist church um, just a few, you know, half a block away from my apartment. And I walked in and it was not like any Methodist church that I'd ever been to because everyone there uh, was a different skin color than I was. Mm-hmm. I was the only white guy in an all African American church, hmm. and I was like, well, "Huh. Well, I don't look like any of these people." And
0: you didn't know that it was. A black I had church. no idea. You know, they don't
1: advertise it on the sign, <laughs> and so you walked in, and it, I'd never been on that side of the dynamic before, and it was uh, really eye opening. But there was something about it that I loved. It was this really interesting combination. Of the things about the Pentecostal church that I really appreciated, and the things about the Methodist church that I really appreciated, and this unique combination and blend, and for whatever reason, it just it felt it felt safe and it felt okay to be there.
0: Did you go with anyone?
1: No, I was. It was. That is crazy. It was crazy. As I look back on it, I'm like, I cannot believe wow. that I, I don't even like to go to parties by myself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so to walk into a church for the first time. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's something that actually that I say every Sunday as we welcome you know, our guests is like, I know what it's like to walk into a new church or a foreign place for the very first time, and how much courage that takes. Yeah, it um, is scary to It walk is a walk scary into, place.
0: Especially if you're alone. I mean, I, now Absolutely. I go to church alone. My yeah. kids go to youth, and mm-hmm. I go to church alone. And I am very comfortable in yeah. church. And when I got divorced and started to have to go to church alone, mm-hmm. like that... That's hard. It's
1: like walking into the middle school lunchroom all over again. Yeah. You're it like, really
0: is. It's a really good there analogy. Any,
1: are there any of my who people here? Yeah. yeah. Like, where <laughs> can I somebody? go that I'm safe? Yeah. You know? And yeah. and so, but I walked in and I started to go Sunday after Sunday to this church full of people who looked nothing like me. And in a lot of ways, our lives were nothing alike. Mm. But over time, I began to really feel and believe like, despite the differences, they actually liked and cared about me. That's awesome. Yeah, and so that was the start of a really a really powerful kind of um, experience and development of a relationship with church and with God all over again, but this time one that I owned.
0: And so that's what brought you back.
1: That's what brought me back.
0: And then you decide to go into ministry how?
1: So in that same church, I had a a unique, a really unique religious experience in that church where I, Felt like God was actually calling me into ministry. It was this weird, sort of out of body woo-woo. If I had to, you know, <laughs> if I tried to explain it, everybody kind of look at you like I think you you might be a little a little off your rocker. But mm-hmm. it was an experience like like an I've never had. Undeniable
0: experience yep. that you felt like yeah God was calling you mm-hmm. to ministry. People say that yeah. People say that they they, they knew where they were or they felt it in their bones or I I never had that. I, mine was just, mine, I just kept getting invited to Mm -hmm. do more and doing more always felt like the right thing to do. I
1: think it works like that too. I don't think Mm -hmm. it's always this mountaintop, like, you know, the clouds part and the sun shines down and you know, the dove floats down and lands on your shoulder. I don't, maybe that happens for people. And yeah you know, I had one moment like that in my life where it felt like, oh, wow, like I really feel, and call is really kind of the right word to describe mm-hmm. what I felt like was happening in that moment. But then throughout the rest of my, you know, ministry career and relationship with church, it has been more gradual. Like these doors just keep seem to be opening mm-hmm. and all right, God, if you're, if this is you and you're opening the doors then I'm going to keep walking through them and mm-hmm. I'll keep walking as long as you keep opening and, and so if I hit a closed door, then I know to stop. But So it sounds like something that you've experienced also. Yes,
0: very much so. So I really want to talk about, um, because I think this is something that you and your church have done really well.
2: Oh, thank you.
0: Um, is how... <clears throat> I think that there are a lot of people who abandon their faith at some point um, because they realize and recognize that they've been going to church and doing this because that's what mom and dad wanted them to do. And then they leave, whether it's college or after college. But then oftentimes Mm -hmm. what I have seen is that people get married and they recognize and and say to themselves, "Okay, we're getting married. We're going to have children. I want to raise my family with faith. So now we got to go find a church." Yeah. Um. And I think that a lot of I've seen a lot of people do that, but I think that there's also this other component mm-hmm. of people that never come back. Yeah. And um, whether it's because They don't feel comfortable, like you said. Yeah. Um, But I think a lot of people have been hurt Mm. um, by the church. Yeah. Um, Disappointed in the church. Somebody hurt their feelings. Somebody left them out. A youth pastor didn't deliver. You went to talk to your pastor, and he didn't care the way that you thought that he should care, or whatever. You you called and left two messages, and they never called you back. Whatever it is, right? Um, the church has disappointed you, or I think what can happen even more often is people in the church people who are very religious, who sit in pews every Sunday, who,
2: yeah,
0: who have done all the right things. Um, they have talked, they've gossiped about you, or they did a bad business deal with you, or they let you down. Yeah, or they hurt your child, or sure. you know whatever it is, and they are a, a big time Christian. You know they go to church every Sunday. That he prays all the time. He stands up there and does... so hi- hypocrites. Yeah, hypocrites have hurt um, people who you think are a hypocrite have hurt your perception of religion or your perception of jesus and so you just abandon it all together and i think that for i've seen it in my own life um with you know my brother my dad i've seen i've seen the i've seen it with my i mean i grew up mormon and i feel like i had a a lot to reconcile because if you don't if you don't fall in line and do it right you're out you're either in or you're out and if you're out you are out. And um, and that's that's hard. That's really really hard. And so what I wa- would like to talk about is how you are as the pastor of a church. How do you help reconcile that for people who who are done with the church or they don't believe that the church they don't believe the church.
1: Sure. That's a, that's a great question. It's a big question. That is a big question, um, and there's a lot in there. So I'll, I'll do my best to kind of speak to the different parts. But I think the first thing that I'd want to tell people who have been hurt by the church, or who are in the, are currently being hurt by the church, who've been disenfranchised by it all, it, for whatever reason, they just they're not interested in what the church has to say, or um, the role that the church can play, or should play, or could play in their life, is on behalf of the church, I'm sorry. Mm. Um, unfortunately, the church is composed of people. Mm. and Humans. Yeah, humans. Um, and more often than I wish happened, we get it wrong and we make mistakes and we act very human and very uh, contrary to this God that we claim to pattern our lives after. Mm-hmm. And... So I think the first thing that the church has to do is to start being really honest about uh, the ways that it has hurt people Mm. um, and the ways that it is continuing to hurt people and to begin to have a conversation about what it looks like to to change that and to do things differently. I think one component of that might be that we have to start admitting that we're human. uh, That's one of the things that we have tried to do at the Grove is to acknowledge that like We're all in this together. This isn't like you follow us because we've got it figured out. Right. It's like, you know, I, I'm the one that has the microphone, but I, I need God just as much as everybody else in that room does, if not right. more. Right. Um, I'm just the one that gets to talk about it in front of people.
0: I've said that a thousand times at Bible studies. Well, that you I've...
1: need to st- stop stealing my lines.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. Or maybe I stole <laughs> yours. I don't know. <laughs> like I don't stand up and talk about Jesus because I know everything about right. Him. Right. I stand up and talk about Jesus because I recognize how yeah. desperately I need Him.
1: Yeah, and I have. It has been my experience that there are churches that stand up there and speak as if though, uh, they've got it figured out. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, we're all, you know, kind of walking through the darkness together right and you know there's a
0: good way to say this
1: thing that we're focusing on that we're trying to move closer towards this ideal this lifestyle this pattern of behavior that we're all aspiring to be and some of us do it better than others depending on the day and the week and the circumstances but the the church has to be a little more honest about the fact that the people in charge are just as human as the people who come
0: yeah how are you um you already said like you you say that every week at at the grove. Mm-hmm. But more importantly than what you say from a stage um how do you how like how do you incorporate that feeling in your church with your staff?
1: Yeah, that's a that's really good. I think that what we've had to do is we can't communicate something that we aren't. Mm. Uh, if, and if so, then I think it becomes obvious that, um, it's disingenuous. Mm -hmm. And so I have, uh, had the, you know, the fortunate uh, opportunity to work with people who actually live and breathe and believe that, um, the church is for everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, not just those who get it right, you know, you know, 99% of the time or the people who look a certain way or drive a certain car or live in a certain zip code, but like Jesus is for all of us yeah. equally. Yeah. Um, and so that type of authenticity, uh, I don't think that you can fabricate. And it starts with a recognition that like we need God just as much, if not more than anybody else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'd say that. And then the other thing that we've we, we want to be intentional about, and I think that this exists in a lot of other churches, this isn't just us, but I think the church has over-engineered what it is and what it's supposed to be for people. I think that we have made it unnecessarily complicated to come and experience God, uh, both in the context of, you know, the worship service that happens, but also within the relationships of the people who are there. Uh, So often we all show up at the same time for one hour and we sit shoulder to shoulder and we all face the same direction and then we turn around and walk out and leave Mm -hmm. and we think that's supposed to be this sufficient relationship and experience with God and I just I think that it looks more like face-to-face conversations and honest you know real authentic here's where I'm not doing so well and here's what I've learned about my experience that maybe will help you and you offer things that will help me and
0: How do you create that? How do you create? Because to me, that—excuse me—it sounds—it sounds sounds ideal. Yep. It sounds really nice. Like I would love to go to a place where I can be like, okay, I'm struggling with this, and I'm struggling with this, and I need your help, and I need your prayers, and but how do you walk into a building Mm -hmm. where you're where you're supposed to be good? and yeah. reveal all your bad.
1: Yeah, that's a that's great. Uh and I think it is a slow process. It's just I think like any relationship y- you don't show up on the first date and you say, "Well, listen, I was blah 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 blah" and just lay out all of the skeletons and the body bags and the things mm-hmm. that have happened in your life. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a conversation that builds over time and a slow recognition of, you know, yeah, I struggle with that too or mm-hmm. yeah, I I wonder those same things, or I have those doubts also, or yeah, my kid is having the same problem at school that, that yours is, mm-hmm. and it's this slow exposure to each other's lives. I don't think that there's a fast way to do this, mm-hmm. um, but I think that what the church can do well is put people into relationships and into opportunities and proximities of other people mm-hmm. where these things can begin to happen.
0: So is that like a small group, a Bible study?
1: There's a lot of ways that it, mm-hmm. it, it that happens, but mm-hmm. it looks like breaking it down from a smaller group um, or from a larger group into smaller groups. Mm-hmm. So it's creating opportunities for you to get to know the people that you're next to, whether that's um, fun events or whether that's a Bible study or, you know, some type of group that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only way that happens is when we break out of these big, larger format things and into smaller things. I agree. Yeah.
0: So <clears throat> hypocrisy. Let's talk about that for oh, a second. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have fun. I know. So uh, I just got done teaching Matthew in a Bible study that I I was leading, and when we talked, one thing that I really learned in okay. teaching Matthew mm-hmm. was that uh, that Jesus was for a lot of things. Yeah. And for a lot of people. Yes. But if he was against one thing, he was against hypocrites. Yeah. Like, Jesus hates hypocrites. Jesus hated these religious leaders who sat in temples, who did everything right, and, you know, showed up on Sunday, sat in the pews, had the perfect outfit on, but were jerks. And he talks all about how their hearts were so far away from him. And he got, that revved him up. It seemed. Oh yeah. More than oh, yeah. anything else. Yeah. And and I I understand why I understand why it made him so mad mm-hmm. because if you are I think hypocrites Christians who are hypocrites which P.S. We have all fallen in sure. that category yeah. but people who profess to be one thing and act out often. In a completely opposite way, hurt, hurt uh, Christianity. Yeah. So, if you have a, a guy who goes to church every single Sunday, and then Monday through Friday does shady business, it hurts. I think it hurts the church. Absolutely. And uh, if you have a woman who goes to church every Sunday and she abuses her children, that hurts the church. And so. How do we, as people, because I believe those things are not Jesus. Yeah, those actions of Christians that are not Christ like, uh, even though they hurt the church, they shouldn't. They should not hurt the church because it's not the truth about what Jesus taught or what he was about. Yeah. So, how a lot of people who have been hypocritical in their behavior have created a lot of pain for people, other people, and we let that affect our faith. And so how do we let, how do we take bad behavior of Christians and not let it affect our relationship with Christ?
1: Wow. (laughs) Yeah, good question. That's a real good question.
0: Hey, you're the pastor. Yes. You're the, you're the. I am just a you're... pastor though.
1: <laughs> Let's be real clear about that. Hmm. You know, I think that one of the things, uh, you said a lot, but one of the things that you said that I want to highlight is the type of hypocrisy that Jesus was so uh, frustrated with and upset by. Okay. And I think that's the the religious hypocrisy. mm mm-hmm. Um the ways that people have used religion not to help others or to um, enhance the quality of life for others, but uh, the way that they've used religion to subjugate, to put down, to oppress, Mm. to humiliate, to embarrass, to wound and hurt. uh, That's what, at least the way I, I read the Gospels, that's those are the actions that I see Jesus most upset about mm-hmm. um, because, you know, through his whole life and his ministry, it was all about how do we lift up those who have been cast out by the rest of the world and by the rest of society, which was a highly religious society. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is going to these populations of people in these locations where people live who everybody looked down on, everybody despised. Everybody would classify them as those people or Mm -hmm. that girl or that guy, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and he instilled in them and reminded them of their inherent worth and dignity, and I think that the way that we begin to climb out of some of this hypocrisy is by reminding ourselves who we are to God, um, and that if you've been hurt by the church, it's... It's knowing that, that God knows you and God loves you despite how you've been treated by other people, uh, that you are a child of God, uniquely created in God's image. Um, but because of the freedom that we have in this life, people sometimes use that. And far too often people use that to hurt people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and a lot of damage has been done for a really long time by people who are supposed to be the ones who model and demonstrate what God's love should look like most. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't happened. Mm
0: -hmm. I think that uh, it's my opinion. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything to back it up. But I do think, uh, just because of what I've read and what I listen to, that people, a lot of people have moved away from religion altogether Mm -hmm. and entered into... This thing they call spirituality. Mm. So some people will say, Oh, I'm not religious, but. And um, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, How do you feel about that?
1: Well, I understand it. Mm -hmm. Because. I understand it. Yeah. And most of the instances where I've had conversations with people who've communicated something similar to that, Mm -hmm. there is often an event or a series of events, or some type of history mm-hmm. with religion to which people are opting out of. Mm-hmm. So something's happened at a church, or a church camp, or with a Christian they know that was painful, and it was wounding. And so, as, at least as I hear it, the move out of religion towards spirituality is an attempt to move away from like the organizational stuff that feels a little icky, um, that people have grown to distrust and to be skeptical of. And and so that makes sense to me. I wish it wasn't the case, but I understand why people are hesitant to be a part of um, kind of organized faith, which is kind of Especially
0: maybe... if that f- organized faith has hurt them.
1: Sure. Yeah. Or others in their lives mm-hmm. or people they love and care about. Uh, but what I do hear in those same comments is this consistent desire to have a relationship with God, or whatever language they might use, something greater than themselves, mm-hmm.
0: or the know, divine,
1: the divine, mm-hmm. or you know the mm-hmm. eternal creative force of the universe, or however it's articulated.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that within the human condition, as we were created, within the human condition, is a desire for proximity and relationship and closeness to God.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think some people find that in religion, Mm -hmm. and some people tried to find that in religion and got hurt by religion, Mm -hmm. but they're still on the search. And even the people who aren't aware that they're on a search, Mm -hmm. I think are on a search to fill that piece. That was my college experience was, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm trying to fill this piece of me that is longing to be connected to Mm -hmm. something greater than myself.
0: I think it's was it Bob Goff who says we all have a God size hole. Was uh, that who said it? I'm
1: not sure who said that, but I know that quote. Yeah, yes. and I think it's it's spot on. Yeah,
0: that can only be filled by God. Yeah, and I I love what you said, and I agree with it. That even if even if we are not searching, actively searching, there is there is I and I a hundred percent believe it that. Our souls crave yeah. de- and desire to be connected to something greater than ourselves. We need it. Yeah. We need it. And when we don't have it, yeah. um, we look to other things. Sure. I, I mean, Absolutely I 100% agree yeah. with that. So how do you, as a pastor, yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly, that that we all have this desire but I feel strongly that I mean I I take my kids to church because I believe that um, that it is important that that my kids know that they're that they're they're not it. <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah.
1: No, it but, does help us see beyond ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And
0: and and but my my kids um, and my kids like to go to church and I'm grateful for that uh but i don't I know that they go to church because I take them to church sure um, but I am really hoping that somewhere along the way, they experience God in in a way that becomes undeniable for them, yeah. so that they carry it for the rest of their lives. yeah So for someone who de- has not been to church for a long time, yeah has been hurt by the church. Um, has been hurt by somebody in the church, but they miss it. Sure. like, And I think they miss it. Yeah. What would you say to them?
1: Yeah, I think that that's a really common feeling. Yeah. And so I affirm that desire and that longing to be a part of something, um, to whether it is organized religion or not. But, you know, when Jesus... Ascended into heaven when he left, Mm -hmm. he put something in place to serve as an intermediary. And that that was the church. That was a group of people who were supposed to care for one another and to support one another and to love one another Mm -hmm. and to help each other move closer towards the person that God has created each of us to be. Mm -hmm. And so I think that for those people who have drifted towards spirituality or away from the church, I think the thing that you can't replicate is that we, mm. um, you know, I think the me and God thing can be strong outside of a church, but there's something that you can't find a substitute for. Um, and that's the way that people can reflect God to each other, mm. just like people can demonstrate how God, uh, or can demonstrate the ways that people have been hurt by the church mm. and, in a religious context, people can be the ones that have wounded them. I think people can also be the ones that heal, help heal them oh, and really help cool. care for them. I think that as often as people have been hurt by the church, there are people who have had glimpses of the divine through a relationship mm-hmm. with someone else.
0: It's really good.
1: Um, I love that. So I have great hope for the church.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I believe that God is still at work in this world through his church,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even if it's filled with imperfect people.
0: Yeah. And I think it's really important for all of us, (laughs) all of us to extend a whole lot more grace Mm -hmm. than we do. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we love, we love to see sometimes people fail, you know, and people, especially the, the good people, the people that, and gosh, I mean, We, I, I, I think church should be a cheers bar, you know, (laughs) (laughs) where it's safe and happy and you're always, you know that these people have your back.
1: When it's done well, it should be. Yes. It could be.
0: Yes, it could be. And I also believe in it. I mean, I, my best friends are all from church. Mm -hmm. My closest, my closest relationships have all been because of Something that we've experienced together because of our faith. Yeah, and I would have never imagined that um, my best friends—you know—that I would meet my best friends at church. Sure, but I have, and I—I I so believe that as much damage that has been done by the church and the people in the church is as much healing and good. I love. I absolutely love how you said that. Um. So how. How does somebody give that a chance, give that another chance? Who's scared to death or skeptical as hell? Sure. Or...
1: Yeah, I think depending on the person and the circumstance, there's a lot... There's a couple of avenues that I would encourage someone to explore. One is if you know someone that you trust that is a part of a church or has some religious, you know, component to their lives, I'd ask if you could tag along. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with no commitment to, you know, stay for the rest of your life, but just, hey, can I ride along with you on, you know, on this church experience or this next Sunday or whatever it is. And the thing is, I think churches are starting to recognize that there are people out there who are curious and interested, but a little or a lot skeptical. And so they have ways that people can kind of slowly wade into the waters through Mm -hmm. online sermons and through, you know, online worship experiences. And so you can kind of get a sense and a feel for who this particular church is, who these people are, long before you have to show up in person, Mm. because I know that's a big step. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we have a website, grove.org, and a lot of churches have websites that you can get a feel for, okay, who are these people? and? does this feel like a place that might be safe?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Your church is really safe. Um, Thank you. I'm glad you feel that way. Yeah, it is. I mean, you've created something really, really special, and that's why I wanted you on the show, because I think that I really believe that feeling of how I, – I think it starts at the top. I mean, you, you – it is the whole, but I think somebody has to be driving – the train that everybody wants to get on and in just a very short amount of time you have created a very special place and i mean i go in your church and i feel very comfortable and my kids do too um but i i think that is really really unique and you know there's a lot um i used to work at a church i don't work at the church anymore i used to be married i'm not married anymore you know, there's. There's reasons that people could be sitting behind me whispering and um, and for especially after I got divorced, you know I was scared to go back to church yeah um, because i didn't talk about why I got divorced and everybody wanted to know why I got divorced um, and I was scared I was scared that people were going to talk sure. and um, and I think you know that's that's one little piece of my story and, but I think everybody for whatever reason has,
1: yeah, we've all got yes some experience
0: like that. Yes. Yeah. Where we, you know, we, we made a mistake. We, there's reasons we've all had to tiptoe back into church. And, um, and I just, I believe, I believe in the church and I believe in people. Yeah. And, and I believe that, that, that should be, I mean, that should be the place where I could walk in and be like, it's, <laughs> yeah. This is yes. so hard for me, yes. you know. And yeah, it should and, be a
1: hospital, not a not a trophy case. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, and that's a perfect way to say it. So I just I appreciate what you are doing and I I believe I believe that people do not have to be afraid. You know, it 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 Jesus did so much for us. Absolutely. Um and I think that when he I think that it has to break his heart that we have created institutions that have turned people away from him.
1: He gives us one commandment, to love each other like God through Christ has loved us. Yeah. And uh, one still pro- proving to be a challenge. Yeah,
0: and that's but, all we're supposed to do.
1: But we're not alone. Yeah. And I think God is still working in this world and in and in the church. And I have great hope that we can continue to love one another, like Christ, better.
0: Yeah, Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Stephen. Thank, thank you, you for so fun. Well, you, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of what you're doing. I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for the Grove. I'm grateful for what, more importantly, I'm grateful for what you and your staff and and all the members are doing. Yeah. It just feels the way that it's supposed to feel.
1: Well, I'm grateful for the opportunity to to talk about it and to maybe offer another perspective on how the church can play a role in people's lives. So this podcast is important, and your podcast and your voice is important in this world. So thank you for doing what you're doing.
0: Oh, thank you.